Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is, of course, Mike Abadir, your host. Today is Thursday, May 4th, 2023. And anytime we get to the first Thursday in May, it means the first Saturday in May is right around the corner. And the first Saturday in May, of course, is the Kentucky Derby. So I'm super excited for this show. I'm super excited for this weekend. Super excited for Saturday in particular. But also Friday, because we got the Kentucky Oaks. So we're going to talk uh, a little derby talk, little ponies throughout this next hour. Also a lot of baseball talk and NBA as well. There's been some big series involving some of the teams that Pop and myself root for. And, uh, you know, learning big learning experience for the Kings, Pop. I think when you look at it, even the Michael Jordans of the world lost some playoff series is on their way to the top. It's one of those things I think that's going to benefit them in the long run to deal with a little bit of failure. You got to taste defeat before you, you climb the mountaintop. You know what I mean, Pop? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think that's, I think it's going to be good overall for the Kings, you know, uh, props to the Warriors, of course, because they are the defending champs. And I think a lot of people wrote them off. Uh, I, I thought after the O2, I thought after the O2 deficit that they were, you know, hey, this team's getting old and, and they're done. But they had another run in them. And, uh, you know, congratulations to them. They earned a uh, hard-fought victory against the Kings and dealt with some adversity themselves and were able to overcome it and, and a suspension of a key player, et cetera. But now we get this series against LeBron James. It's pretty cool, by the way, that we get back-to-back California rivalries in the playoffs. Not something that necessarily happens very often, but I'm glad it kind of lined up that way. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, what, what are your thoughts early on about this series so far? Because I think I would have taken anybody against the Lakers prediction-wise, except for... This series, I kind of think the Lakers are going to beat the Warriors. And I'm not saying that because of, you know, the first game or anything. I just think that they match up well. What do you think? Well, you know, to your Kings, that was a beautiful uh, way to get yourself back into the mix in the NBA. We were so good that they were the third seed in the uh, playoff and everything like that. And, you know, you do feel a little bad that that team did not win because they really had to make – I know you had to go through it and everything like that, but they had a coach that coached in the NBA Finals. They had everything that you needed to have in place to advance in that series. It's just that they drew the Warriors. That's all. You know, the Warriors, and I always felt like, you know, when the Kings won the first two games, they they got too comfortable. And I said that you got to win one of these games in Golden State to really solidify that you're going to win this series. They won a game in Golden State, but I think it was a bit too late because game it was game six. So 
pretty much a, but it was a surprise. That was a surprise in itself too. They stopped themselves from getting eliminated and losing four straight. So that was incredible. You know what I mean? So the Kings have a lot to build on, but when it comes down to the Lake show, here we go. One thing about the Lakers that they're not mentioning right now, when it comes to playing the Warriors in the playoffs, you look it up, Mike, they've played six straight series that the Lakers have won. They haven't beat the Lakers, I think, since 1966 in the playoffs. And it goes all the way back to Rick Barry, Mike. And the last time they played the playoffs was 32 years ago. And the Lakers beat them 4-1 to in that series. That was Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway uh, were a part of that series, Billy Owens. Um, you know, that the fun bunch that was up there in um, Oakland. So I truly do feel like, you know, Curry – and LeBron, in reality, they're one and one, okay? Because, you, okay, Curry wins the first title between the, these two. Then the second time around, LeBron pulls off the greatest comeback in sports history, coming back from three to one uh, in, in NBA history. Let's not say sports history because that would be te- me taking away a lot from the Boston Red Sox coming back from 3-0 against the mighty, mighty Yankees. So, um Pretty much when you look at this scenario, you say, okay, you can wash out the other three. uh, You can wash out the other two between these guys because the thing is, is that you had Durant and Durant pretty much was the, 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 the X factor. And they really had a LeBron versus Durant in that situation. So I think that Curry has had a lot of help and LeBron. They keep trying to say this means so much more for LeBron. Even though LeBron has been a success literally every single year he's been in the NBA, how much more does he have to do? He just broke the scoring record. So they're putting the pressure on LeBron because they want LeBron to have a moment over Curry. They know they're used to Curry winning and things like that. But I think that Curry's probably in the one time where he really is, doesn't really have anything, anybody to turn to in this situation because LeBron's playing with his best teammate ever in Anthony Davis. And let's just keep it real in that regard. Anthony Davis is really the uh, engine that makes the Laker team go. If Anthony Davis has a bad game, the Lakers lose. It doesn't matter. LeBron can drop 40 for you and the Lakers still lose if AD doesn't have a good game. It's just that simple. Do you think, by the way, that he's better than uh, Bosh and uh, Wade? Bosh and Wade? I would say yes because the thing about um, Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis single-handedly won, beat a whole team in a playoff series by himself. And then the way that they went about winning the championship when AD was healthy, they were absolutely they they everything really came easy for those two. They didn't have to go to seven games with anybody, and literally they were a they were a problem, a true problem. Wash, I would say that Wade Bosch were great because with them because they were all in sync and they were all, it was almost prime for prime for prime for prime. But this is an older LeBron. You know what I mean? And I think that he is an older LeBron, but LeBron's still in, he, LeBron's at his peak. You know what I mean? He's not in his prime. He's at his peak. And uh, pretty much with AD, he's at his absolute prime. And I feel like AD kind of took a step back on being considered into the MVP chat to go ahead and be a great loyal partner to LeBron, but he's overcame that. It's really LeBron is really your is really your side. So it's like Luke Skywalker and oh and uh, Obi Wan. 
You know what I mean? And I feel like Obi-Wan got to attach on to Luke's hip because you're the one that's controlling the future of the Jedi. So, you know, and it was funny. I was dogging the shit. I was dogging the hell out of uh, Star Wars earlier. I said that people need to get over it. People need to stop looking at folks when they say that they, don't, they ain't never watched it. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, everybody right. nerd, okay? So <laughs> everybody, everybody ain't in the, uh, wasting three hours of their life watching people uh, – play with uh, light beams and stuff. So pretty much um, you have a great, great, this is one of the best. Mike, it did 7.4 million viewers on TNT. TNT. TNT came a long way. Mike, TNT used to be happy. They had 500,000 watch a uh, playoff game. Now they have 7.4 million uh, people watching the playoff game. And it's so good that they have it by itself tonight. And it's coming on an hour earlier. So that means that most likely it's going to uh, attract 10 million viewers because how good game one was. So the Lakers and the Warriors are in a series that's long overdue. This is like a super fight in boxing that people haven't been anticipating for the last decade. People wanted Warriors, Lakers when Kobe was still around. You know, so this is – and people definitely wanted uh, Warriors, Lakers – when uh, the the uh, Don't Stop Believing Warriors bunch was around as well, too. So this is long overdue. And I think that it's two fan bases that have enjoyed a lot of winning over these last over the last decade. The Lakers with their two titles and the, the um, Warriors with their four. So that means that you got, uh, well, Lakers with three, actually. So you got a team over in the last four, 15 years combined <laughs> have seven titles Mike. so that's half of the group so pretty much this series is just something that just is is something we've been waiting on and it's absolutely tremendous but i really truly think and i'm not trying to be homer j simpson here either i said it on my show but i said that you can't do better than what the warriors did on Tuesday night. I don't care what anybody says. You got six threes from Curry. You got six threes from Thompson. You got six threes from uh, Poole. You're not going to get that effort tonight. That And that literally kept kept them in the game, Mike. They were still down 14 at points of that game. You know, they were still down 14 with five minutes left on the game. and hit 21 threes. So that just goes to show you how good the Lakers were. The Lakers were able to play good enough defense to where they shut it down anything inside that three any anything inside of that three point line literally because the Warriors didn't want to go to the hoop. So the Warriors, I'm not going to say that they're in trouble because they're a good veteran bunch and all that good stuff. But LeBron, just think if you're LeBron, you want to you want to squash these bugs. You want to squash these dudes because they've embarrassed you, dog. They've made you look like an absolute second fiddle to none. You know what I mean? You're not a second fiddle to Steph Curry. Who cares that he can shoot a shot from half court? You saw how reckless he was the other night. I don't care. You know, that's that's great that he can hit that shot. But in common, common sense and common words, things, that's not good basketball, Mike. And that's you don't want to teach the future that. So, you know, I just really feel like this series <laughs> has everything that 
we need to get really excited about. And they literally saved the NBA season, in my opinion, Mike. I hear you, man. I hear you loud and clear, brother. I think that you made a lot of good points, okay? And I think when – let me take a step back for a second and say this is a series when they're talking about legacies, they're going to be talking about like Steph and LeBron head-to-head. And depending on how this series goes, that's going to be a part of their script, you know? Uh <clears throat> They beat, you know, LeBron beat everybody or Steph beat everybody. I I, I think it's going to have greater meaning legacy-wise. Not that one would be considered better than the other, but I think if Steph can get the best of of LeBron in this series, you know, um, I think it would kind of give him a leg up. Don't you? Yeah. I would think that. We don't have to compare anything LeBron has ever done with what Steph Curry has done. Steph Curry is, is Carlton Banks can, to um, to LeBron's Fresh Prince. You know, LeBron mm-hmm. had to work for it. You had to you everything had to be worked for. Everything had to everything has been shown proof since day one with this kid. With Steph Curry, it's always been about entitlement. Oh, he. Great jump shot. He's Steph. He's Del Curry's son. You know, Del Curry was a great three point shooter. And da 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 da. Oh, Steph Curry. He played at a little college, and he was really good in the March Madness and everything like that. So he's really, he's really, really good. He really, really guy. Mike, I'm gonna be really, I'm gonna be really frank here, and I know I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to race bait situations or anything like this, Mike. But Steph Curry's the closest thing that the NBA has to a white guy. To a, a, a great white player, I'm serious. It, it's the closest thing that they had to Larry Bird. Okay, it's almost the same exact story, except for your dad played in the NBA and you had some money. He played at little school. You you was great at what you did. You played great college basketball. You beat the big boys and things like that. And you've always been able to be a great shooter. And you made all the little guys feel like they were. Giants now because you hit these three pointers and they look so good and everything like that. But Steph Curry is their their closest thing to the great white hope. Okay, I'm just gonna keep it real, and that's why Steph Curry is so loved and so beloved and all this other stuff and all this other other greatness. But he's a great player. Let's not take that away from him. But we know that him and Clay, keep it real, they're the equivalent of Bird and McHale in today's world, in today's basketball world. So they get a lot of love. Their team gets a lot of love because of that factor. Then you add in Draymond Green. They're just – he's ML Carr Jr. So literally you have the Boston Celtics of the 80s here. That's why they get all the love that they get because they remind you of somebody else that they used to be be over in love with. You know what I mean, Mike? And – I think that the Warriors are are a great story, but I think they took advantage of a weak NBA at the same time, too. This is not a strong NBA, you know, and they made sure that, you know, teams like the Warriors were able to have what they had because the Warriors built well. They got a good structure. They got a good foundation. That's why they got to where they got to. It's not because they're that much better than everybody else. It's that they took their time. They did their homework, and they made sure they put all the right players on the team that they wanted to build. 
But at the same time, too, things get a little overblown because Steph Curry does fit a certain bill. And so pretty much, you know, that's what happens. You got to keep selling this game to everybody. You can't just sell it to the hip-hop community. You just can't sell it to, you know, love and hip-hop community. You have to sell it to the people in the suburbs. You got to sell it to the people at the sports bar. All those people that love to watch the game, okay? And so pretty much Steph Curry gives you the evolution of basketball. That's why everybody's so in love with it. But when it comes down to it, LeBron has always been the guy. LeBron was the guy that was on the Sports Illustrated cover as a junior. LeBron was the guy that got drafted uh, first overall, did a 360 dunk on his first two points ever in the NBA at your arena, Arco Arena in Sacramento. LeBron James is a, it was a prodigy. LeBron James was a phenom. LeBron James was a, is a legend now. He has checked off every mark that he has to check. When is enough is enough, Mike? When is enough enough? You know what I mean? That's like Jordan coming back with the Wizards. They said, well, he still got to prove to us that he can get seven. Nobody said Jordan had to prove anything because he already proved his, his point, Mike. And this is where it's getting stupid at. Nobody needs – legacies are intact. Curry's legacy is intact. LeBron's legacy is intact. They're both going to the Hall of Fame. This is not going to stop them from, from uh, going further along on their great careers already. These guys are going to have awards named after them. What are we talking about? What are we talking about, Mike? Seriously. Like, it's getting silly. You know what I mean? Like, I can understand if it was Carmelo Anthony or Derrick Rose or somebody, but this is LeBron freaking James. He's already done everything he possibly could do in the NBA times, too. So, you know, what's there to prove now? Well, I think... I think some might say you would have thunk that he would have won more championships. Well, you know, which got at the end of the day, that's that. That end of the day, that's just awful because the thing is, like, well, you would have wanted Will to win more championships too when you look at him, right? But that's who LeBron James is in the modern day NBA. He's Will Chamberlain. Nothing's good enough. Even though you're the best player to ever do it, you're the greatest to ever do it. It's still not going to be good enough. Because you don't have enough championships or you don't have enough uh, this or that in the third. You don't have enough this. But you've been to 10 championships. You went to eight in a row. But we still have a problem. It's still just not good enough to us. That's that's utter BS, Mike. You feel what I'm saying? It don't matter if you, if you didn't win 20 championships, but you went to eight in a row. That's Who, who, who else went to eight in a row not named Bill Russell? Ah, uh, wait. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to ask you a question comparing Jordan and LeBron right after this commercial break. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to quick take a quick time out. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show with Pop DiBiase, talking a little NBA before we get to MLB and the Kentucky Derby for this weekend. Wanted to ask you at this juncture, where where do you stand in terms of you know who is at the top of uh, of the mountain of NBA giants? Is it Jordan or is it LeBron? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Well, you know, if you're somebody who who wants to nitpick the championships and MVP awards and everything like that. You'll say Jordan. If you want to really look at the the real resume of a player who's accomplished so many things in the NBA to where it's just like, wow, and wow, and another wow, it's LeBron James. But really, at the essence, at the end of the day, the reason why Jordan will always trump LeBron is because it's not even about the skill level. It's not even about the championships. It's not even about that. It's about the the confidence, the composure, the coolness. That's what why Michael Jordan separates himself because Michael Jordan never panicked. That was the thing. Michael Jordan never panicked. We always saw, we've seen LeBron panic plenty of times. Even when he was winning a game, he panicked. You know what I mean? But LeBron, but one thing about Jordan, never panicked, never panicked. Even when things weren't going well, he didn't go crazy about it. He didn't go nuts about it. And then when things were going well, he was always cool, calm and collected about it. And he made sure that, you know, pretty much, that this ain't the biggest accomplishment. We got some more accomplishments to accomplish. You know, he wasn't satisfied when he won his first title. He wanted more. When he came back around on his second retirement, the second time around, he wanted to make sure they they absolutely destroyed the NBA after losing to the Orlando Magic. 
that's the biggest difference between LeBron and that's the biggest between LeBron and MJ. LeBron LeBron is a really great pay is a really great statesman to the NBA, a great representative, kind of like how Maddie Johnson and Isaiah Thomas were. But Michael Jordan is a is a personality all in his own, just like Kobe Bryant. And they they come from the school of killers. They don't have they it's no mercy. It's no I ain't your buddy. I ain't your friend. You're not on my team. I don't know you. Yeah, I'm glad that you respect me. But back up, I'm about to cook you for 40. That's the difference between the MJs of the world and the LeBrons of the world. You know, LeBron want to go over there and shake your hand, have a good laugh with you. Where, where are we going to go eat at afterwards? Uh, with Jordan, man, you a joke. Back up off me, man. You know what I mean? You did you say you was gonna you was gonna do this, that, and the third to me? I'm gonna give you 50 tonight. Somebody talks some trash to LeBron, LeBron be like, Well, you know, I just want to make sure we were cool. Right. You're, you, no. You they're, they're not cool with you. You know but what I mean? I kinda ha- I kinda have that beef with a lot of the modern day athletes. Like I see you know, after the game in the NFL, they're all hugging and exchanging jerseys and all that kind of stuff. Did you ever see Lawrence Taylor? With the opposing team exchanging jerseys and hugging and all that kind of stuff, dude. Lawrence Taylor barely called in the damn medical crew to come get Thaisman. Right, come on, come. He only did that because the TV was because the TV national camera, TV national TV cameras were rolling. That was a regular ass game on a Sunday. He would have laughed. He'd have been look at what we just did to Thaisman. Right, you know, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. You know, so, I mean, so like the modern athlete is just a different breed of cat. You know, they're just different. You know, look at those soccer guys after the game. They're they're all sweaty and changing jerseys and wearing each other's jerseys and like, man, that's an enemy territory. You know, um, it's it's soft. You know, like society. Society's kind of soft now. You know, it just kind of mirrors society and so you know yeah i'm i'm with you i i think that jordan kind of had jordan had more of a killer instinct and kobe had that killer instinct i think lebron is just a great talent with size and can move exceptionally well with size and can dribble the ball he could like play so many positions and that's the why LeBron is masterful, but it isn't because of his killer instinct. Right. It's all about, it's a character thing. It's not a skill talent thing because we know LeBron is the, is the, is the one. There is no doubt about that, but it's about how you approach the game. And I don't think that his approach to the game is, 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 is as magnificent as Michael Jordan's and nobody's approach to the game is as magnificent as Michael Jordan. The only person who could even, Come close to that. God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant. That's it. And Kobe even had his little moments to where he was a little bit too selfish, but it was okay because Kobe didn't care. See, LeBron cares too much. That's the biggest problem, and that's why people prefer MJ over LeBron because MJ didn't care. LeBron cares too much. Really simple, Mike. Yeah. You're right. 
really simple, Mike. Really, really simple. And, you know, the ongoing debate can go on all day long. I just don't like when people almost, like, try to devalue everything LeBron did as a way to just make themselves feel that much better about Jordan. Like, it's not fair to LeBron when he breaks a record and then they have to bring up – call it Jordan 23 Fridays the next day and have to have this whole they – were, they were really paying homage to Michael Jordan the next day after LeBron broke the record. That's disrespectful to me, Mike. Mm-hmm. That's very disrespectful. I know you love Jordan. I know he was a great player, but he hasn't played the game in twenty. He hasn't played the game in twenty years. You have to let it go at some point. You you you're being a weirdo now. You know what I mean? Right. You know, you're being a little obsessed. You know, you're being a little obsessed with this with this thing. You're not accepting the reality. You know what I mean? And that's what the biggest problem with Jordan supporters are. They don't want to accept the reality that LeBron is is somewhat on the same planet as. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. a problem. That's a big problem. Also, my quick news, um, the Bucks moved on from their head coach, uh, Budenhoser, after two years removed from winning a championship. And, you know, Budenhoser's brother just passed away, too. So that's absolutely nuts. That is nuts, man. That's absolutely nuts. They said that they haven't hired a replacement. They just fired him five minutes ago. And, that's um, crazy. Now they're saying offer their head coach vacancy to Becky Hammond. Their season's over. And between me and you, Mike, no, Becky Hammond should not be a coach of an NBA team. We just saw what happened. Um, And I say this, too, because I want our listeners to just hear this story out real quick. This is a smaller school, Mike. Um, Was it a smaller school, I think? Well, it's one of the the schools where they had a a situation where the coach, women's college uh, basketball team where the coach was absolutely obsessed with one of the players. They had some type of extracurricular uh, relationship going on outside of the team. They said that the coach had sent this player 180 text messages within an 11 day span. 180 text messages, Mike. That's insane. That's just do the average. That's what about 40 a day. Almost or twenty a day, possibly back to back to back to back to back, and I think it was an eight day period. And they said they found about thirty really explicit texts that were outlining things that went on in their relationship. The coach stepped down, but I said to myself, I said, you know, this has been going on for a pretty long time, but you guys just never talk about it. And I said that it always happens with these lady coaches as well, too. And their their obsession with and it's funny because you're a coach, so that means that you have a lot of say over a player. You know, um, you have all uh, players playing time. There, you know, a player can be at practice and you can make them run extra laps because you're mad at them. Nobody knows why you made them run extra laps. So that's a real conflict of interest right there. And I think that these teams are going to have to start checking this thing a little bit more because if that was DiBiase is the coach of UCLA doing something like that, they would have had me in the uh, council in the council court. So I don't know, Mike. I don't know. That's why I said I, I don't know. Yeah, about I even look at the look at the Celtics head coach going right. into the season. Right, Udoka. He's he, he lost his. He got demoted all the way to Houston because of that. 
And that's even worse. He's definitely not going to get his. Uh, he's definitely not going to get back Nia Long in, in Houston because those women are way finer than the w- women in Boston. I'll let you <laughs> understand. So, no and you know, Houston, those strip clubs are legendary. So he might be in there with uh, he, he, he when you're recruiting Harden, you might have to be in there with him. Well, I'm going to give you an unpopular take, a take that probably would piss a lot of people off, but this is just how I feel, so uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not a big fan of women coaching in a sport that they haven't played, and vice versa. You know, if a man hasn't played college women's college hoops i'm not big on him coaching it you know if if a woman hasn't played baseball you know she played softball why is she coaching in a different sport even though they're very similar and so you know i same thing i don't think a man should be coaching women's women's softball if he hasn't played women's softball that's kind of my take on it so in the nba yeah i don't think uh, you know i personally don't think that Becky should be the head coach. Uh, is she skilled enough? Yes. Uh, but she hasn't played the game. And I'm still old school when it comes to, like, locker rooms and stuff. You know, men men can go into the locker room, talk to their players, you know, um, and, and the guys in the locker room should all be comfortable with that. I'm not big on making anybody feel uncomfortable because somebody from the opposite sex comes in. Definitely, definitely. A man shouldn't go into a women's locker room uh, like it's softball or something like that. So it's got to go both ways. And so that's that's my unpopular take on it. But again, that's that's my opinion. And it's just such a slippery slope, Mike. When she fails and they fire her, they're going to call them sexist. They're going to say they never gave her a chance. And it's gonna be this, that, and the third. And if they would have did this, they they they'll have fifteen hundred excuses when they have to fire that lady. You know what I mean? And why would you take fifteen steps back to have her come coach your team? This is a team that can win a championship next season. So, right? Like seriously, like guys, just it's just once again, it's just media over here just trying to figure out how they can get a great story. And I just right. really, like, as a media member. Stop trying to dictate how sports works. Stop, 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 stop. You the teams don't need your suggestions. They don't. They need you to report good stories, good media. Do investigative stuff. Don't just make up stuff for agendas. Don't do that. It's stupid. It's dumb. Like let's say Dylan Brooks for instance. Dylan Brooks is an excellent basketball player. You know, he's talking some trash, but what he did was he said, I'm going to let them crucify me for my team. I'm going to sacrifice myself for my team so we can win this damn series. And what they, what did they do? They didn't. They let him down by not winning the series. So, of course, you're going to go up in there in the final week and tell them, I'm not coming back to uh, play with a bunch of uh, losers and quitters. I'm out of here. And then the team comes out like, well, we'll have the last say. We're not bringing him back by any means necessary. That's okay because he's just going to go to the Knicks anyway. That's okay because you just go to the Nets anyway. And he's going to make double the amount that you guys were offering because you couldn't pay him. That's why you're talking like that. Mike, you an agent. You know this. 
<laughs> you couldn't pay him. Keep it real. You ain't got the money. So, you know, at the end of the day, let's let's just make up a story to make us look good because the media and the players are mad at him for a week. You know, you know, you know absolutely. You know, get get on down the road with that. He's not a China player. He's an NBA player. Cut it out. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, there is there's not 15 players better than him in the G League right now that you can bring up in his spot. Shut it up. You know what I mean? You he plays in the NBA for a reason. Who the hell? Okay, and then um, no doubt. You know, but you know that's that's it. And that's all, man. But um, damn, I'm I'm, I'm in such a storm of just going through things with you right now, Mike. I'm trying to figure out oh, where yeah. we. You you're you're bringing the heat, man. You're bringing the energy. Um, Good thing I'm on the Mike Abadir show. I think that if I'd have been on anything else like ESPN or FS1, they would have had to pull the plug probably today. They had to be like, hey, you know, but bring Pop to the back. Hey, man, no no censorship on the Mike Abadir show. And that's, why I love what, and that's why I love what I do. That's why I love today's sports talk is because you don't have to be regulated to ESPN and to FS1 for everybody to know who you are. Jake Plummer told me this in Arizona that, Pop, just keep doing what you're doing. You, you ain't got to worry about these people coming to get you. Yeah, no doubt, man. Absolutely right. You know, Pop, let's take a quick commercial timeout and come back and move off of basketball, even though it's been great conversation. But we got to sneak in some Kentucky Derby talk. And also, I'm going to give props to my my Boston Red Sox for really hanging in there in the AL East and playing some good baseball. So stay with us, everyone. We're going to be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment of the Mike Abadir Show, and it's time to talk Kentucky Derby Pop. Before we get into it, are you going to be releasing picks for the Kentucky Derby cards? What's uh, what's talk? Let's talk business for a second. What what are you doing, uh, and how do we how do we get your your uh, selections? Well, this year I'm not going to do too much. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't be fair to the people if I jumped in here and was trying to charge folks for taking for you know a card and things like that. I'm just going to go ahead and share it with the public. So you know, awesome. I don't have, like man, I'm I'm going to go with. What probably is the the most usual suspects of them all? I like tapping trice. I like verifying. I like practical move, and I like the there's forte. Well, uh, I'm gonna so, give you some breaking. I'm gonna give you some breaking news. Verifying's out, huh? Practical move was just scratched. Okay. Well, no Cali, no California horse this year. Well, I think they're drawing in. From the Santa Anita Derby, the Japanese horse, which is is not a California horse, but it did come from the uh, Santa well, Anita Derby, at least. Derby, so that's good. But so, but I really like verifying a lot. A lot of people are telling me like, "Oh yeah, verifying." You got mowed down by Tabatrice. Boo, 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 boo. Yeah, man, Keeneland is not. Keeneland is a track that's kind of made for certain horses. You know what I mean? I would never compare Keeneland to the Kentucky Derby track because if you could compare that track, then Brody's Cause would have won the uh, damn Kentucky Derby. I, I still get mad about Brody's Cause as well, too. Uh, Mike, Brody's Cause, Mendelssohn, Irish War Cry, those three right there, I swear. I've never wanted to strangle a horse, but those three almost were close to getting it. Seriously. Like, man, I couldn't believe how overrated those horses were that day. You know, and Irish Warcry is still around. That's the funniest thing about it. You know, but Irish Warcry, coming out of that race that he had in Florida and then the race that he ran in New York, you thought that this horse was going to win for fun at the Kentucky Derby. But I truly do like verifying, even though verifying had a little bit of a uh, issue over on the track this morning, Mike, they were showing it. He got loose and was ready to go run over to uh, the Yum Center where the uh, Cardinal play at or uh, Rupp Arena, wherever they close to. They're in Lexington, right? Or is that Louisville? Where that Derby is in Louisville. Okay, so they would be closer to the Yum Center. So, yeah, he was trying to tell it over to Louisville University, man. I don't know what he was doing, but it sometimes it's a good sign, sometimes it's a bad sign. Maybe he's a nervous horse. <laughs> Maybe he wanted to go back to the barn. I don't know. But when you really size him up and you look at him, there's really you, you really like Tab and Trice. And Forte is really good, but Tab and Trice just really does have the look. You know what I mean? So I like verifying because I'm going to get a price, but I think that it comes down to if I was going to say, all right, I, two horses that finish one and two, I think it would be uh Tabit Trice and Forte. Forte is, is interesting to me because I'm looking at, at the lines right now, live 
on Churchill's or the Kentucky Derby's uh, betting board. So your verifying is 24 to 1. Now, I would have thought that Forte would get a shit ton of, of, of the money, like the lion's share. And I know it's a 20-horse field, so the odds are going to be you know, distributed, but we've seen two to one favorites and nine to five favorites in the Kentucky Derby, even with big fields. Forte is now nine to two. You're almost getting five to one on Forte. That's a little bit surprising to me. It kind of tells me that people are kind of like trying to manufacture a long shot. So here are the ones that are in single digits right now, Pop. Two fills, nine to one. Tapit Trice, who you've been talking about, five to one. Angel of Empire, six to one. And then Forte, nine to two. Everybody else is a long shot, and the vast majority of them are big long shots. You have a couple in the teens, you know, but then you have a, a bunch of, you know, 30 to ones, 40 to ones, 50 to ones. The highest on the board right now is 70 to one on the far outside post. And that's with King Russell, Ron Moquette's horse. So if you could, uh, normally you'd say if you could beat the favorite, you're going to make money. The way it looks right now, if you just have the winner, you're going to make some money. You know what I mean? Right. right. This is a perfect, perfect storm in the, um, in uh, the Kentucky Derby. This is a Kentucky Derby where your favorite is, seven to two or better, you know, and that's good. Even though, you know, when we get to minutes before they get to the gate, <laughs> that horse magically goes to two to one. It right. never, you know this, Mark. Yep. Because the big, big, the well is going to come in there and say, okay, well, the favorite usually wins. Let me go ahead and put it on this horse right here. Let me put the final hundred thousand on them. You know what I mean? But well, I think plus, plus more the, the the batch, there's also the batch wagers from the computers. Yeah, and then I think that you know, at the end of the day, I want to see what horse gets a big amount of money on it. Say maybe out thirty minutes before the race. That's not a favorite. There might be something there. You know what I mean? But. I'm gonna keep it real with you. It's not gonna be any fifty-six to one favorites, uh, fifty-six to one twenty-one hole horses winning this thing, and that's great, crazy. You know, uh, first strike, right? Um, that's crazy. Me and my dad actually sat here and watched that horse, and that was his final Kentucky Derby at fifty to one. Wow! So that's incredible in itself. And that horse is actually running Friday in the Ali Sheba, Mike. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's still running. So you know, because that's why I like. Man, me, me and my dad, we loved it because we loved what the owner said when they asked him, are you going to uh, the Preakness? They said, uh, we are not going to the Preakness. We we came here simply because we were just wanted to have the experience of being in the Kentucky Derby. We had no clue he was going to win this race, but we'll see you at the Belmont. You know, I loved it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we're not chasing it. We didn't ever have a triple crown in mind. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, yeah. and, and when you know the business of horse racing, you know to yourself, if you didn't have a triple crown in mind, you ain't going to no damn preakness. You don't care because that's just more money and y'all on a budget. You know what I mean? Because that's what a lot of people got to understand about 
uh, most of the horse uh, racing syndicates, they're on budgets. You know what I mean? Everybody is not the chic and everybody is not my racehorse. You know what I mean? So pretty much you try to keep your big horse. If you got a great horse, but you know he's not on the elite level of levels, then you got to put him in the spots that you know you can win some money at. So I really feel that we have a very great group, but I feel like I feel so bad about how I've treated horse racing this year. I haven't really been watching it as much as I should be. I've been trying to get into it more and more, but they just didn't have that horse, Mike, this year. They don't have that horse where it's like the one that just is the horse of ages, horse of the ages. They haven't had any of that in like the last five years, really, ever since Justify. Yeah, that's interesting that you use the words I feel bad because I actually know exactly what you mean because I kind of feel the same way. I think a big part of it, Pop, is we need to stay off of social media because all I hear about is the negative things about horse racing from from the social media. You would think that the game is, is uh, expired, archaic, uh, a bunch of cheaters, uh, you can't win. That's all I see on Twitter. Do you see anything different? Do you see? That's all I see on Twitter too. I see all it is is that they're waiting for this new organization just to get rid of everybody. And I said, you just can't get rid of everybody, bro. And at the same time, too, why you got? Why are we so worried about this? Because I've said right. this. I talked to Peter at Santa Anita. Horses will run if they want to run. If they don't want to run, they ain't going to run. Exactly. If a horse winds up dying, right? it's just like life. It happens. We we can all move on. We all going to be sad about it. We all going to hurt about it. But at the end of the day, we got a game to, we got a game to play. And the messed up most of the the craziest thing about it is is that when a horse dies on the track, they don't stop the track. They don't stop mm-hmm. that they doing. Uh DeMar Hamlin died on the football field they stopped the whole game so let's not treat the horses like they're humans you know what i mean you know what they know what they signed up for we know what we signed up for there's going to be casualties here it's going to happen it's there are 1200 pound animals running on toothpicks it's going to happen bro and this is not even as bad as it used to be 50 years ago where they would shoot the horse right on the track in front of you at least they just go ahead and put a needle in it now and hide it behind an ambulance. You know what I mean? But, you know, you don't want to see anything pass away. You don't want to see anything get killed. But if you have two broken legs and you will never walk again, um, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Seriously. What do you right. want to do when you know that you are more of a more of a uh, you know, do you want to live your life in misery? And literally maybe give yourself another two months? Or do you want to just go ahead and say, you know what? It's time to go see old Yeller. It's time to go see old big secretary in the sky. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) you know, but I love horse racing. And I just feel like people have to stop trying to end horse racing with their little temper tantrums. You know what I mean? Bob Baffert has been everything that's, that's, the sports is needed. Uh, just like Dwayne Lucas, just like uh, Brad Cox, every trainer that's a big trainer that brings all these great horses to these great racetracks, we need them. 
These guys are the ones that make the money happen. And this is a money sport at the end of the day. Get your emotions out of it. Get your emotions out of it. You know, a lot of you guys just have beef and everything like that because everybody had a time and day where they did some business with somebody and the business didn't go right. But at the end of the day, we got to remember what we're here for, to bet on horses. That's it. It's nothing really, it's nothing more to it but to bet on horses. The human element should not play such a heavy factor in the situation. Completely agree with you, Pop. So one thing that I'm going to add coming back to kind of like handicapping a little bit and stuff, I actually think that overall the card for tomorrow I think is a little bit more interesting than the card for Saturday. I think that there are more long shot opportunities and money-making opportunities in the Friday card. Um, Truth be told, I have not fully handicapped it yet. So I don't have selections necessarily to give out for the Friday card or the Saturday card, really. Um, I'm kind of rolling up my sleeves tonight. I kind of wanted to see which horses scratched out of the Derby. And uh, we've seen a, a decent number of them. That's going to be one of the storylines this year is, is how many horses scratch out. It's uh, more than I've seen in, in recent memory. Um you know, and it's unfortunate for the connections. You get all the way there, and at the eleventh hour, you got to scratch out. That that's got to suck. Uh, Doug O'Neill knows all about that unfortunate type of uh, situation, um, and and many many trainers, of course, have experienced that as well. It's unfortunate, but it's part of the game, kind of like you said. But I would say tomorrow is the day. You get to invest some some coin. Uh, Play the Derby, of course, but if you're going to play the totality of the card, save some money for the Friday card. That's that's uh, that's kind of how I see it, Pop. Um, you know, we got only a few moments left. Uh, I haven't given out a selection yet, so I'm going to give one out. I, I'm going to give out an exacta box, Pop. I'm going to use your tap it trice, the five. I'm going to use number six, King's Barn. And number 14, Angel of Empire. And 22, Mandarin Hero. That's my four-horse box. I'll repeat that. Five, six, 14, and 22. Kind of some random numbers in terms of the Derby. Uh, We don't see those numbers come up very often, but that's that's my exact box. Um, Maybe even a try box. Probably not going to venture off into the superfecta because those are one dollar minimums they don't have that 10 cent so that could really add up when you're talking about the kentucky derby field of, of 20 to start playing all in the last spot and stuff like that which i like to do anyways pop we are out of time i don't get a chance to give props to the red Sox, nor you give props to the dodgers because they're playing superb right now but six we'll in a row more. baby i can throw it out there mike what's up about six in a row dog yeah, yeah, they're, they're crushing it. Red Sox hey, are going to blow this game right now, too, because y'all was just up eight to seven to zip. Now it's four to eight. Yeah, well, there, there, there's a... Uh, you good, Mike. The, the Red Sox will shut the door. But anyways, that's all the time we have, folks. As always, thank you to Voice America, to my man, Andrew, to Pop DiBiase, of course, and to you, the listener. Without you, there's no show. We'll see you same time, same place, next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Oh,